Gather round, take a seat, relax. It's the Fabringen with Rabbi Levi Afton, right here on 101.9 High FM. This is 101.9 High FM. My name is Rabbi Levi Afton of Linksfield Shoal here live with you on this Tuesday, the, what are we, on the 3rd of May, the 2nd of the year. It's a privilege and an honor to be here with you on this day. Tonight is Yom Azikaron, as we remember all the fallen soldiers who fought defending our homeland and all the victims of terror in the last many decades, honoring their memory and committing to honor them by living a life that they would be proud of. So here we are. We are on this Tuesday, a week and a half after Pesach. Wasn't here last week, so here's for me wishing that your Pesach was rewarding and in some way gave you the peace and the freedom that you wanted. I was thinking about what to bring about today. There's lots of uh, things that we're sitting at. But the biggest theme that comes across as we are just about two and a half weeks into the counting of the Omer, and according to the South African tradition, yesterday was the first day of the morning within the Omer, in other words, when the wedding stopped. And when music stops, that was a cappella that you were listening to, and the rest of the music that you'll be listening to throughout the show is also a cappella music. A cappella music gets better each year, um, so it's actually pleasant to listen to. It's not, it's not painful. And <clears throat> yeah, people don't shave, people don't take haircuts, etc. And at the heart is the reason why we're mourning, and the story's told about the legendary Rabbi Akiva, one of the greatest sages in all of Jewish history, the man who taught that the mitzvah, the Hatlarecha Kamocha, love your fellow as yourself, he was the one that taught that it's not just one mitzvah, it's not just a detail, but it's a principle with lots of subcategories, lots of details that come out of it, but it's a fundamental principle of Judaism. Now, there's, there's different kinds of mitzvot. There are mitzvot which are prat, which are details, and then there's a klal, which is a general principle. So, for example, don't take revenge is a principle in love your fellow. Uh, don't hold a grudge, etc., uh, etc. Et all the, pretty much the whole, all the mitzvot that have to do with human-to-human -human interaction fall under the principle of treat your fellow as yourself. And this Rabbi Akiva, who taught this, although he had a few students who fully understood it and digested it, he also had 24,000 students, all pious, all beautiful people, amazing people. Although we don't know much about them, other than they were the students of Rabbi Akiva, so they're pretty, they're pretty much that tells us they were awesome. But all we know about them is that the 24,000, or rather 12,000 peers, because they all learned in peers, 12,000 peers, as the Talmud calls them, died in this period, the Omer period, between Pesach and Shavuot. And the cryptic words of the Talmud is, why did they die? They did not act with respect to one another. 
they did not treat each other with respect. They maybe liked them, but they definitely didn't show them respect. And the true love that you can give somebody is when you respect them. Yeah, you could smother somebody with somebody with love, but that's not respectful. And it's ultimately what you want to give them. Respect is respecting them. It's more about focusing on them than on us. And the students of Rabbi Kiva, we explored various dimensions of this in years past during the Omer, about how is it possible that the students of the great teacher Rabbi Kiva could behave like this. And in short, just because it's not good to throw out a question and not answer it and ask people to go dig up uh, radio shows from years ago, um, one of the answers that's given is that because they loved each other so much, when they saw that the other person was doing something that in their opinion was wrong and not in sync with what their teacher Rabbi Akiva taught them, they felt it was their mandate to rebuke them and disrespect them until they get back into shape. It was a loving relationship without respect. In other words, instead of asking them one second, what does the person need? No, I have a mandate to whip the guy into shape, to disrespect them until they return. In other words, it was a, and the fact that it happened to 24,000 people, in other words, it was the, the whole environment was a place where everyone was judging each other. Instead of everyone saying, yes, Rabbi Kiva is our teacher, but there's multiple ways of understanding him. It's not narrow. Life is complicated. Life is diverse. Life is nuanced. Rabbi Kiva's teachings can be interpreted, each brain, differently. We all don't think the same, as the Talmud says, just like our faces are not the same. We don't have the same complexion. So too, just like we don't look alike, we also don't think alike. And you could all listen to the same lecture, as hopefully now many are listening to this radio show. And you're all understanding what I'm saying in multiple ways, based on your natural intelligence, based on your nurture and the way you see reality, you're interpreting my th these ideas in your own way. Some people might be loving these ideas, some people might be hating these ideas, some people might be totally misunderstand it. And even amongst the people who hate it or love it, each one is digesting it in a different way because there's no such a thing as 100% objective knowledge unless we really sit and we listen without any emotion. And that's a very difficult challenge, although it's optimal because then you could actually digest whatever is being said and only then analyze and unpack it. But most of us listen emotionally. And truth is, even when we listen objectively, our objective brains are different one another. We have different levels of IQ. We have different tendencies. For example, you know, if a person has a more creative brain, a person has a more analytical brain, a person has an engineering brain, a person has an architectural brain, a person has a a uh, scientific brain, a person has an artistic brain. It's all the same data, but it's all being interpreted in such different ways. And the students of Rabbi Akiva, instead of being able to see it in one another and say, wow, you can't think like me, and that's fine. As long as we're all seeking for the truth, we'll all digest the truth in our own unique way, and we can respect one another for that. No, they couldn't. They couldn't respect one another. All he could do is look and say, you don't see life like I do, and I'm right, and you're wrong. So even though I like you, it hurts me to see you lost. In today's English, we would call that patronizing. It's a patronizing attitude, where if you don't see the world the way I do, then you're, you're definitely wrong. Now, yes, we're not talking about objectively wrong things. We're not talking about the students of Rabbi Akiva who were doing things that are objectively wrong, immoral, amoral, um, 
evil. No, we're talking about people, you know, that were all looking on the on the on the right path. They were worthy of being students of Rabbi Kiva. Because I'm not saying this like you know moral relativism. There's no right or wrong. Don't misunderstand me. That's not what we're saying here. There are certain things which are definitely right, and there are certain things which are definitely wrong. You know, somebody will come out and say, "Oh wow, he was talking. You're allowed to go murder anybody you want." No, that's that's objectively wrong. You know, as as believers in the Torah and the divinity of Torah, we know that. Torah is divine, and therefore whatever it says is true. And there's no such a thing as, oh, I, I decided that my moral relativism and my relative morality, I decided that, I don't know, killing's okay, or adultery is okay, or who knows what is okay. No, thieving. No, there are certain things that are wrong, but that's not what the students of Rabbi Kippur were arguing about. They weren't arguing about right or wrong. It was all within the gray area of, of, of nuance. In other words, it was definitely not things that are definitely wrong. It was in the things that are right, but how to understand them. Within those parameters is a lot of room. I find it very um, ironic, or I don't know if ironic is the right word, but uneducated when people say that Judaism believes in homogeneity of thought, that everyone has to think the same. That's such nonsense. Open the Talmud. Nobody agrees on anything. Go to yeshiva, see everybody screaming at each other. Nobody agrees on anything. They agree on the basic principles. There's certain principles of how to learn. There's principles of right or wrong. But how to understand the text, there's a million ways. We're told that each person has, in their soul, has a unique part of the Torah. In other words, they digest the Torah in their unique way. And in God's infinitely, infinity, there can be multiple ways of understanding a text. So there's no homogeny of thought. On the contrary, there's an incredible diversity of thought. And Rabbi Kiva's students could not appreciate in one another that there's different ways of understanding the same class. There's different ways of understanding and that's okay. And we can respect one another. You know, if one of the biggest changes in the last few years, I would say locally, but mainly internationally. I'm saying locally because it's affected the whole world, but you see it in the, in the world, you know, even more so. A radicalization of ideas and an in, inability of listening to other people. You know, people say, once upon a time, things were different. You know, we've all lived the difference. <laughs> I don't imagine there's anybody listening to this radio show that's two years old. And if you are, well done. I hope you're enjoying yourself. But... Everyone remembers a time that at least you were able to say a different opinion. I mean, just go now we, and try to say a different opinion. Locally, but even more internationally, I remember, you know, I, I come from New York, if you haven't picked up on my accent. And uh, every year I go back for a few days. And from year to year, I just see every time I come visit the radicalization. I'm not talking about like just the politicians. I'm talking about people on the street, people I grew up with, people in my community who suddenly have become so hardened in their ideas that there's one right and there's no wrong and there's no nuance, there's no complexity. We're repeating that mistake. Repeating the mistake of the students of Rabbi Kiva. When we're in the Omer now, when we're in this time of mourning, it's not about just growing our beards or stopping to listen to music. It's about actually listening to the message. And the message is respect. Respect other people. Respect the way people think. Respect things with nuance. Respect that I don't see things your way, and there's nothing you could do to force me to see things your way. That's the way it is. What we could do is discuss, and hopefully we could all, you know, bend our ideas a little bit, 
and, and listen and understand nuance and hear a different perspective. But we're not here to brainwash each other to make us all think alike. We're all unique. And that's beautiful. And on that theme, here's a song in Hebrew, an a cappella song from Akiva, one of the great singers now in Israel. Yesh b'cha kol, you have everything inside of you. Each individual has everything to grow and be the person they want to be. This is 101.9 Chai FM, the Fabregan Show. My name is Rabbi Levi Yatsen, and this is the Fabregan Show. This is the Fabringen with Rabbi Levi Avtson on 101.9 High FM. This is 101.9 High FM. My name is Rabbi Levi Avtson and we are live here. And we're Fabringen about Be'ahavta Recha Kamocha, Love Your Fellow As Yourself, which is the theme of this parsha, the theme of the time that we're living in in the Omer. And it's a theme that really is applicable every single day of our life. I want to focus now on one specific element of treating each other with love. And it's an area that we hear about a lot. Um, we hear a lot of techniques, but I think it's important to also go a bit deeper than technique. And that is when it comes to loving a fellow person, one of the greatest acts of love you could do to somebody is listen to them. Truly listen to them. I didn't plan on being a rabbi when I was young, younger, but at some stage in my life, uh, life took me in this direction, and a big part of being in the rabbinate, and I guess being in any people's business, and being there for people at uh, vulnerable times in their lives, is listening. I used to think it's advising, but no, it's listening. And... Listening is one of the hardest things to do. And the reason it's so hard is because it's not about me. Right? When I'm listening to you and I really want to make you feel special and understood, it can't have anything to do with me. It can't have anything to do with, one second, this is making me feel threatened. This is making me feel angry. This is making me feel confused. This is making me feel jealous. Right? Because at that moment, I'm not listening to you anymore, I'm in me. The art of listening is the art of not being me. It's one of the greatest expressions of selflessness. It's not about me. And the truth is, selflessness is the core of life, it's the core of Judaism, it's the core of everything. It's, it's, about, it's not about me, it's about God. It's not about me, it's about the other person. It's not about me, it's the spouse. It's not about me, it's my child. It's not about me, it's my community. But it's fundamentally, the for me, the biggest statement that a person of maturity that a person can really understand and grow in their life is when they understand it's not about me. Not that I'm not important, but it's not about me. And I have to get out of my own way. Because all too often, that's what we do. We get in our own way. You know, we talk about successful people and non-successful people. For me, the definition of success is a person who's worked on their character. Someone who's unsuccessful, who, is, who has not worked on their character. You see, this definition of success means it's open to anyone. Regardless of how talented you are, regardless of how much money you came into, regardless of how creative or an entrepreneur you are, it's nothing to do with that. It's how much have you worked on yourself? How much less selfish are you than you were 10 years ago? How much less selfish are you than you were last year? 
or if you're an older stage in life, now that you're an adult, you have grandchildren, even great-grandchildren, how much less selfish are you than you were 50 years ago? Or are you more selfish? Then you are an unsuccessful person, unsuccessful in, in, in the most fundamental idea, and that is we're here to work on ourselves. And if you have worked on your character, if you're a less jealous person, if you're a less petty person, if you can be happy for somebody else's joy, if you're not a vengeful person, if you're not a fireball-dicker person, if you don't hold grudges, if you're kind, kinder than when you, you were, when you're empathetic, when you're a better listener than you were, then, wow, what a successful life. Because ultimately, what is success? Success is when I can change things that are the hardest to change, and that is my character. Or to, even if I can't change my character, to activate certain muscles that maybe weren't there naturally. Some people are maybe born natural listeners and we have to activate the muscle that helps us be there for somebody else. And the moment the person's talking, to be able to listen with your whole heart and try to digest what they're saying without thinking about yourself. And the truth is, you know this as much as I do that finding somebody who could truly listen is one of the greatest gifts in life. If you have that, if you have somebody in your life who can truly listen and anything you tell them, there's no judgment. See, judgment only comes when the person starts thinking about themselves. Oh, one second, what did they just say? Oh, this doesn't fit with my morality. Oh, this is not what I expected of them. Oh, I thought better of them, blah, 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 blah. If you have a friend who doesn't do that, you're so blessed. I would say it's one of the greatest blessings in life to be able to sit by somebody who sits and listens to you and looks at you in the eyes and nothing you say can change the relationship because the relationship was never about words and the relationship was never about judgment. The person didn't like you because they thought you were somebody and now they discover that you're something else. Now they throw you down to the stairs. No. The love was always deeper than that. It was an appreciation that I see you and I love you for who you are and nothing you can say can change that. And that's the love that every child deserves from their parent. That's the love that every spouse deserves from the other. It's the love that makes the world go around because it, it raises healthy people. Somebody who's been loved in that kind of way has this incredible security inside of them, knowing that they're good enough because their love was never dependent on what they did. They were loved for who they are. Their actions did not change them. Nothing changes them in the eye of the person who loves them. We talk about loving a fellow person. This is one of the greatest expressions of it. When you truly listen, when you walk into a room and it's just empathy, it's just, I'm here for you. And one of the, one of the big tests, and unfortunately we've been tested a lot and you know, hopefully it's gonna calm down, is spitting in shiver houses. Unfortunately, we've sat in quite a few shiver houses the last few years, in houses of mourning. And you see the person that walks into a house of mourning and right away starts getting very awkward and starts ecking and backing, as they say in Yiddish, in the classics starts hacking a China, they start talking about absolute nonsense about the weather, about the hairdresser, God knows what else. 
And the, the mourner is not in the mood of talking about that, but this person is starting to feel uncomfortable, right? Because they you know, I don't know what to talk about, blah, blah, blah. So I'll fall back to my default chit-chat material. And I'll start, as they say in Yiddish, hacking a china. I'll start hitting a, um, a, a kettle, as the expression goes. I'll start hitting a kettle. I'll start talking nonsense. Why? Because I'm awkward. And Jewish law comes and says, no, when you're in a shiva house, be quiet. Let the mourners start the conversation. Why? Because it's about them. And if they don't want to talk, then sit in silence, in comfortable silence, not in awkward silence, because it's not about you. You know, often people think that somebody who's shy is very humble. Ah, listen, there's maybe some kind of humble shyness, but on the most part, when you're really shy and uncomfortable, it's because you're so insecure. And insecurity means all I can think about when I walk into a room is me. That's not humility, that's ego. It's a sad manifestation of ego, but it's ego nonetheless. If all I walk into a room, I walk into a ball, and all I'm thinking about, oh, I'm, so, I'm so uncomfortable, I don't know where to sit, I don't know who to talk to, I don't know what to do, I'm feeling so uncomfortable. That's not humility. That's ego. Because I'm just asking myself, and I'm thinking all about myself. I spend an hour in the hole, and all I thought about was myself. How is that humility? Versus walk into a room, okay, I don't know anybody over here, let me see if I can make a friend. If I'm not, I'll sit in the corner, and I'll do my thing, and I'll try to engage as much as I can, blah, 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 but I'm not going to sit there feeling like I'm crawling out of my skin, because I am fine. Because again, ego is, it's all about me. Humility, it's not about me. And so instead of us just defining as ego as somebody that walks in and just talks about themselves all the time, they walk in, do you know how accomplished I am? Wow, do you know? Do you know how well I'm doing, etc.? And my kid, and look how many distinctions they got, and look where we're going on holiday. Did you see our pictures on Instagram? Blah, blah, blah. That's one manifestation of ego. It's insecurity that's just manifesting by talking about oneself. Then there's another kind of ego, insecurity that manifests by not talking because you're just too, you're too scared to. But it's the same insecurity, it's just a different manifestation of it. And that is, ooh, what are they going to think about me? Oh, gosh, I don't, know. I don't want to get up and talk. No, 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 please, 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 I'm scared. I don't want to. Well, relax, take it easy. It's not about you. In other words, what's, what's needed of you in the moment? That's really the difference. The difference between true love of another person, the difference of the definition of true humility is what's needed of me, not what do I want. If I'm needed to, you know, to get up and do something that's out of my comfort zone, fine, because it's not about me. But if it's only, oh wow, how's this going to make me feel? What's this going to do for me? And I'm, I'm lost in myself. And I'm not saying we don't have to take care of myself. This is not about self annihilation. It's selfless, just a little less self. I'm not saying all day we have to step out of our comfort zone. And there's certain times that it can be about me, right? I'm going to take it out, going on holiday. It's fine. It's be, be selfish on your holiday. Enjoy yourself. Take care of yourself. Rejuvenate. But when the time is calling upon us to be there for others, that's when the real test is. Can I get out of my own way? Because truly, that's what you find in people. It's like... You know, often we blame God for the misfortunes in life. And yes, there's a lot of things to, uh, I don't know the word blame, but, you know, to put at God's plate. But there's a lot of angst in our own life that, let's be honest, 
what does God have to do with it? Obviously, God runs the world, but it was our own bad decisions. It's our own bad decisions. How could God do this to me that my child doesn't, you know, want to talk to me? Now, sometimes it's totally illogical, but sometimes it's because they're maybe sick and tired of the parent being all about themselves. I'm not saying it's all the time. I'm not saying it's always the parent's fault or the child's fault. The point is, sometimes I can't just throw in and saying, how could God do it? But rather, I have to look at my own decisions. And often when there's a relationship tear down, when a relationship breaks down, one of the first things to look for is who in this relationship couldn't get out of their own way. Who in this relationship was all about them? Who in this relationship put their self needs always as a priority instead of the other person? Because usually that's at the heart of almost every single relationship breakdown. One or two very selfish people. It is impossible to have a relationship breakdown between two people who are selfless. It's just impossible, it cannot work, right? Two people who prioritize the other Two people who truly listen, two people who don't judge, two people who are um, gracious and forgiving and bigger than themselves. How can there be a relationship breakdown? It's literally impossible. The moment there's a relationship breakdown, you know that one or two, and rarely is it a hundred zero, although sometimes it is, but rarely is it like that. Often it's a mixed bag. One or two of them cannot get or chooses not to get out of their own way. And Ava, to love one another is to literally ask myself what is needed of me? What's needed of me in this relationship? Can I step out of myself? What does my child need? Not do what do I want out of my child? What does my child need out of me? What does my spouse need out of me? What is needed of me? And again, I'm not saying this, a person can live like this all day. Maybe if you're a tzaddik, you're a holy person, you can. There are times that, yeah, a person has to focus on themselves and their own needs. And a relationship where it's only always about the other person is a bit imbalanced. We all, we know we're human beings. We're not, we're not perfect uh, by any stretch of imagination. But there has to be the right balance. Every relationship can tolerate a bit of selfishness, right? That we're not talking about zero or zero. It's not... Every, every relationship can tolerate a bit of bad moods, a bit of selfishness, but there comes a stage when it's a bit too much, it's sufil, it's a bit too much, and where somebody or somebodies are just putting themselves ahead every single time. So one of the great things we can do to truly bring healthier relationships and love in our own lives is to start listening to the other, focus on them, Listen to the what they need. Give them no judgment. Give them unconditional love. And believe it or not, that single thing can heal any relationship. This is 101.9 Chai FM. This is the Fabringen with Rabbi Levi Avtson on 101.9 Chai FM. This is 101.9 Chai FM, back after that little break, and we're here talking about... Ahava, talking about love. The word Ahava at the heart of the Hebrew word has the two letters hey, haf, give. Because that's what Ahava is, giving. And the greatest gift we could give is not money. It's not even our time, although our time is very important. It's to give away ourselves and let the other person to feel that gift of importance. 
no, the words like self-esteem, etc., thrown around a lot. Sense worth, sense of a person that has a, a healthy sense of self, um, being true to yourself, finding your voice, all these expressions which are so part of the vernacular today. At the core, each one of us, when we're in this world, we're craving to be accepted. We're social beings. We can't just say, oh, you know, we could try. But very few people are saying, you know, like, it can be, very few people can be born without love um, and never be loved and say, I'm good enough. It's a very difficult mess. I'm not saying it's impossible, but it's very difficult. Why? Because as human beings, we, we crave affirmation, first from our caregivers, our parents, etc. A human being needs that, craves to be accepted by others to be understood by others, to be good enough in the eyes of others. It's most probably the single need, biggest need after food and shelter. Just to know that I'm good enough, that somebody in this world considers me good enough. And you might sit there thinking, oh, give me a break. It's a pop psychology nonsense. But I ask you to, to really think about it. Really? How do you feel if you've ever had that relationship? If you've never had a relationship, maybe it's just unfamiliar. But if you had that relationship where somebody's given you that incredible ahava, that incredible love, that you're good enough, how did it feel? Didn't it feel amazing? Didn't it feel life-affirming, validating? As human beings, we crave that. And if we could give it to each other, what a gift. And it's not a weakness that we crave. And Hashem created us as interdependent beings. Because if I would just be for myself, it may, it may not really, if I'm only if, if, if I'm only for myself, then who am I? But the next expression is, but if I'm only myself, what am I? In other words, if I'm only myself, I don't have a life. I'll never want to get married. I'll never want to, um, you know, interact with people because I have everything, you know, that... Uh, masculine attitude that often says, I don't need anything from anybody, I'm good enough, please don't help me, no. Give me a break. We all need each other. Obviously a person has to be relatively independent, but they also have to be interdependent, not codependent, which unfortunately happens too often, but interdependent. A healthy relationship with others, but a relationship where there's some, under, there's some needs from one to the other. If you don't need your spouse, then the spouse actually feels very useless in a relationship. We all crave the validation. And you all know somebody, and it could be yourself, who unfortunately never got that. It could be even your own child. It could be yourself. It could be your nephew, your niece. It could be somebody you see. And the appropriate way, if you can reach out to that person and give them that feeling of you're good enough, that in my eyes, you'll always be amazing. In my eyes, you'll always be beautiful, that there's nothing you could do that will make me hate you, nothing. That love is suffocating in the best sense of the word. No child can run away from such a love. They could try. And often, you know, I've heard children tell their parents, please just let me go. I remember hearing it from an older girl telling her mother, I wish you stopped loving me so much because then I could just go destroy my life, be reckless, move on, 
get rid of all the pain I'm struggling with, whatever pain she had. Craving, please, just let me go. And of course, the mother, you know, who this girl's blessed to have her as a mother, turns to her and says, not a chance. I can't, and I won't. And that feeling you can never run away from, when you know that there's somebody that will love you no matter what, or when you give it to somebody, when somebody else knows that you will love them no matter what, that is the greatest anchor. You can't run. It's because that place is home. As the expression goes, home is where they can't kick you out. Well, at least that's what it should be. Because home is the place that no matter what you do, you still come home. No matter what mistakes you've made in your life, no matter what decisions and choices you've made, it's still your home. That's the core idea. And that is, there's nothing you could do to make me dislike you. And if our children could hear that message from us, if our communities, if our, if our friends, if our spouse, can hear that message that I'm here for you, what an incredible gift that is. That itself leads to healing because the moment I know that I'm loved for who I am, I'll want to live up to that belief in me. No, like I often tell parents who reach out to me about a child who's struggling, I say nobody decides to be difficult from a place of health. No one's like, you know what? I am feeling so comfortable in my own skin. I am fine. I'm okay. I love my parents. I love my life. I know my talents. I'm skilled. And now I just want to go be a menace to society. It doesn't work that way. It just doesn't work that way. Two plus three doesn't equal, you know, doesn't equal four. It doesn't work that way. If somebody's going and being a menace to society, and I'm not justifying them, I'm just saying, here's one thing you know. They're not comfortable in their own skin. If someone is causing their parents incredible amount of grief, if somebody's really absolutely being impossible, the one thing you know about them, it's not coming from a place of health. I'm not saying you have to put up with it always. Sometimes you have to put boundaries in place. Each story in its own, you know, with its own seichel, with its own wisdom and its own advice, fine. But at the core, one thing we can know about each other is nobody chooses to be miserable. Consciously, no one's like, I really want to be a miserable human being. I want to be a brat. No. It's coming from a place of unhealth. So if you can give the person that health by helping them realize they're good enough, you're fine. You don't have to prove yourself. We love you. We really love you. Not because you're talented, not because you're amazing, but because you're you're mine. You're my child. You're my friend. You're my nephew. You're my niece. You're my parent. You're mine. That ahava, you can never run away from. No one can run away from such love. And if we could give that to each other, I truly believe that that's one of the greatest healing things we could do for one another. One of the greatest gifts. This is 101.9 Chai FM. This is the Fabringen with Rabbi Levi Avtson on 101.9 High FM. So this is 101.9 High FM, Rabbi Levi Avtson wrapping up the show. Hope you 
found something that was shared in the show meaningful, could always um, send a message to the station 34519. You could always email me at Rabbi Avtzon, R-A-B-B-I-E-V-T-Z-O-N at linkshul, L-I-N-K-S-H-U-L dot C-O dot Z-A to share any thoughts, anything that you would want to, you know, be part of the conversation. And just in general to reach out, give feedback, constructive, complimentary, whatever works. Um, want to wish us all, we should have a, um, we should have a great week. You know, tonight's Yom Karan, and we remember uh, all the people who died defending the fellow Jews and all the victims of terror over all the decades. And we honor them. And may Hashem, Yiskor, may Hashem remember them. I'm sure he does. And give the Neshama Aliyah, let the Neshama go to a higher place in Gan Eden. And may all their relatives find comfort. And may we all find comfort. And may we all find healing from all the pain we've been going through. And may we merit the true redemption and a time of true peace. Amen. Thank you so much. Have a great day. We finish off with another a cappella, Gad Elbaz, Sheyishmarli Alecha, on 101.9 FM. Have a great day.